If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate can be your strength. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. The FDA recently issued a qualified health claim saying that high flavanol cocoa powder may help prevent cardiovascular disease. It may even be a helpful tool in managing cognitive decline. Flava Naturals Dark Chocolate Bars and Cocoa Powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate with great flavor and minimal sugar. Their secret is sourcing premium high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. There you'll find the extensive research behind cocoa flavanol's benefits and great recipes too. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. And today's subject is plastic surgery, cosmetic enhancement. That's an important subject, but specifically we're going to focus on scarring. Scarring is a big problem. Scarring can occur with surgery. Scarring can occur inadvertently with an accident. Uh, I have uh, some nice souvenirs from some bike accidents and various calamities that have befallen me. And so uh, one of the types of physicians who focuses a lot on scarring are cosmetic surgeons. So today uh, we have a wonderful resource in our guest, Dr. Gary Linkoff. Uh, Dr. Linkoff uh, graduated from Cornell University with a focus on psychology and then received his medical degree at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. And he pursued uh, a very, very challenging uh, residency in head and neck surgery. Uh, but also uh, he has dual uh, uh, accreditation uh, with an accreditation also in the American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. That's the official organization that cosmetic surgeons uh, get accredited in. I mean, other types of doctors sometimes uh, practice procedures, but uh, the real uh, top credential is the, uh, the accreditation from the American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery. Uh, he uh, has had advanced training in cutting-edge hair transplant surgery. That's one of his uh, specialties, but he does all kinds of uh, cosmetic surgery procedures. And so he also has an interesting background in that uh, he is an artist. Uh, he has pursued advanced art training in painting, sketching, and sculpture, which comes in handy because, after all, cosmetic surgery is an aesthetic, and uh, it actually involves sculpting the human physiognomy. So uh, without further ado, here's Dr. Linkoff. Welcome. It's a pleasure having you on Thanks. the program, Gary. Thank you so much for the invitation, and I'm super happy to be on with you. Indeed. Well, so let's focus uh, first on the issue of scarring, because uh, this actually, uh, uh, we, we actually share an office. Uh, you know, it's an office that's uh, uh, a maze of uh, 
different practitioners. And sometimes we have uh, hallway conversations. And the other day we had a conversation about uh, scarring and and some innovative uh, approaches that you've developed to minimize uh, scarring. So, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, the fundamentals, you know, what is scarring? Why does it occur? Why is it worse in some people? uh, And what are some of the possible solutions for preventing or reversing scarring? Right, right. Yeah, no, scarring is an interesting thing because especially in the context of surgery, uh, sometimes you wonder, is it because of um, the, the patient's own, you know, biological factors, certain predispositions, like let's say they have, you know, some thyroid imbalance or they're smokers or they have diabetes, like that's going to predispose them to worse healing. Um, but sometimes it's also maybe the product of the actual surgery and and the way that the surgery was um, performed, you know, so there are, of course, surgical techniques that are aimed at optimizing um, wound healing and and creating um, as best of a scar as you can. Anytime you do surgery, there's always going to be uh, a scar, but we try to minimize the appearance of it. So certain surgical techniques like um, reducing tension on the wound uh, is very important. The types of sutures that are selected is also really critical for the result um and then there's like what you do afterwards after surgery um the way that one cares for the wound Uh, i think historically people thought that hey if you leave the wound open to air then somehow that's better just because it just all right just just leave it open and and you know everything will be fine and and now we know after you know numerous studies have demonstrated that um occluding the, the the wound and keeping it covered with whether it's antibiotic ointment or um, like something like aquaphor that's uh, non-medicated um, or something like a scar gel actually leads to better wound healing and we can talk about why that might be there are different kind of theories on why that is but we know through different studies that at least that is true so so there's lots of um different factors that contribute to uh, how one scars and then there of course other reasons i, I just for, wanted i just wanted to mention that you know whenever uh, yeah. i get an uh, urgent summons you know i get a text or a phone call you know a friend or a relative uh, has an injury uh and uh you know sometimes they they text me a ghastly picture and, and you know i tell them you know you need to go to the emergency room you need to be seen because this is not, right. you know, whether it's, uh, you know, like they're slicing a bagel or, you know, whatever, they, you know, they fell off their bicycle or something like that. And but I always give them the recommendation that when you go there, insist on seeing a plastic surgeon, get the plastic mm-hmm. surgeon resident or fellow to suture your wound, even as simple as it might be, uh, because yeah. I got to say that uh, I used to work the emergency room and I was called upon sometimes to suture wounds and with my uh, lack of uh, experience uh, you know the outcome probably wasn't that great I mean it was cut rate medicine and I was there and available but if you want a good outcome you know I, the yeah. way that it's done the way it's sutured and properly done uh, can make a big difference in your ultimate outcome yeah absolutely so yeah and you're talking about sort of like traumatic wounds and that's another category you know there's lots of things that that can lead to um a scar you know on one's body and one 
uh, scenario is someone getting, say, cosmetic surgery. Another one is, like you mentioned, someone just, you know, getting into an accident and, and they have, you know, their, their tissues are opened and now, you know, they're rushing to the emergency room to get some help. And for sure, like the, the way that the wound is handled from, from the get-go is, is very important. And sometimes it's as simple as, you know, putting some uh, surgical glue on the area if it's not too wi wide of a wound and that's what takes care of it. Sometimes you need to put some sutures in, you know, and sometimes I mean, if it's like um, Elmer's glue or, you know, uh, yeah, gorilla they're, glue they're or <laughs> something like that. But, uh, but, but a more kind of uh, medical kind of form of it. But, but yeah, I mean, there, there is actually a surgical glue, um, that some people use, um, that, that can help. But again, you need to pick the right solution for, for the the right you know for the the wound that you're working on so folks so, don't don't try uh, this at home don't reach for the uh, exactly yeah yeah no don't reach for just any any glue uh there's something called like dermabond mm -hmm. uh for example that's one type of um surgical glue but but yeah i mean it it listen it's it has similar characteristics as uh, some of the other glues but of course you want something that's sterile that's not going to give you an infection, especially when you have a, an open wound. So, so definitely you don't want to be uh, doing this at home or, or just picking up any glue from the CVS. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so uh, that's one method. And then you've got, you know, some suturing um, options, but then also sometimes it's better to do nothing and to leave it uh, be and, and let it sort of granulate in and then close it uh, secondarily, like down, down the road. So, you know, depending on the area, um, you take a different approach. And so one of the concepts to keep in mind is that when you have a scar, uh, most people just think of it as just being this unsightly thing and just having like a uh, cosmetic uh, implications. But in reality, it can actually have functional um, uh, implications as well. So for example, a scar around the um, eyelid area can cause webbing and that can give you functional problems such as the you know, ability to open and close your eye. Uh, also around the lip area, if you develop a scar that's not properly addressed, um, you can have trouble eating, speaking, all those things. So, so a scar is not just something that can look bad, but it can also give you problems uh, that are functional. So, so yeah. But, so, but physiologically, scars have a purpose, from what I understand. That uh, scars are uh, really designed to kind of fortify the area that was. Uh, torn or cut uh, and it's like a, creates a sort of a stronger bond against future injury so that's why there is this hypertrophy of tissue that sometimes builds up and that's sort of nature's way to, to safeguard us unfortunately uh, it that can backfire in terms of a cosmetic appearance right well that's that's true the body is just trying to repair itself and essentially for the most part, prevent um, foreign invaders such as you know bacteria and other microbes. So that's that's really one of the main reasons why the the tissue is kind of closing down, at least on the skin surface. You know, you're trying to create that barrier. But the strength of the area, and that that's interesting. I had a a boxer come to me um, once, actually a few times after some fights, and you know he um, I was suturing up some lax and lacerations. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of putting him back together after certain fights. And he, he wanted me, he wanted me to like suture as much as I could because he's, he thought that, hey, if I 
Mm -hmm. If I get this kind of scar tissue, then now it's going to be stronger for the future. And, and that's actually not true. So um, any scar, even one that like looks good, is still going to be maybe up to 80% strength of original skin. So your original skin is still going to be stronger than any scar. But the scar is still, I mean, the scar is just your body closing down the area. And uh, the, the, the harder you make the cells work, right? Because all of our tissue, all of our, like our skin, everything's composed of cells. And the harder you make the cells work um, for bridging that gap, which was the original injury, the worse essentially the um, area is going to look as far as the scar is. The, the easier you make it for those cells um, to kind of close that gap the better it will look. So, so that's why when we do surgery, we try to reduce tension on the closure because if there's a lot of tension, those cells are not happy and they just don't come together right. So that's, that's one, you know, um, one example, you know, and then of course, if you have a wider gap, like a, a big area that was removed, now you have your cells that are really far apart and they kind of can't see each other they can't interact as well and it's harder for them to heal that tissue so then your ultimate scar is going to be wider thicker and and you know th those types of qualities and how, how about genetic factors because clearly uh th there's a racial component but it, it it doesn't always apply there are caucasians who uh have keloid you know lots and lots of scar buildup and then there are african-americans or individuals with darker skin complexions who don't have uh, exuberant scarring so it, it there's a genetic component to this but it's not consistent right yeah i mean for sure there there definitely are like in my practice i noticed that uh, patients who are most mostly non-caucasian end up with a higher risk of hypertrophic scar keloid is a whole other kind of mm -hmm. category that's where the scar ends up outside of the borders or the boundaries of the original okay. wound so that, that's fairly rare but a hypertrophic scar where you just have a like a elevation to the scar mm -hmm. that's something that i find definitely occurs and not just me but in the literature a higher rate in um uh, yeah, African-American patients, Hispanic patients, Asian patients. And one thing that I've noticed, because, you know, I don't think anyone fully understands why, but one thing I've noticed operating on all types of patients is that non-Caucasian patients tend to have thicker skin. Like mm. the actual, you know, when you just cut into it and, mm. and you're working with it, it's just thicker. And I'm not sure why exactly, I mean, for evolutionary purposes, but... Um, from a scarring perspective, uh, having that thicker skin does, it seems, predisposed to hypertrophic scarring and, and sometimes even a keloid. Okay, so you've come up with some uh, innovative uh, approach to scarring. Uh, you were, you know, in our water cooler conversation, you were telling me about uh, an innovative, uh, is it a topical thing that you use or is it a, a series of treatments? What are you doing that's innovative to reduce scar formation? Yeah, for sure. So there are, of course, surgical uh, techniques that I use um, that are probably, you know, a little technical for, for, for maybe this podcast. But, but I mean, the concepts are to reduce tension. Um, use non-inflammatory sutures, especially on the skin surface, and really handle the tissue, especially right on the surface, with a lot of care. So the more you grip it and grip hard, the less 
happy or healthy it's going to be. And that's going to affect your, your ultimate scar. So that's stuff that I do intra-op, you know, that, that definitely helps um, reduce scarring. Now, after surgery, one of the biggest things that, that is done is really proper patient education. Because when you have a wound, um, you really, again, want to reduce like a tugging and a pulling on the area that's trying to heal. And in areas that are, um, you know, difficult to not move, for example, the lips, I do a lot of surgeries around the lips, uh, you have to properly educate patients, like, what does it mean to be moving the lip? You know, people don't always realize, like, you know, if they're smiling, their lip is moving, and that's not good for healing of a, of a scar. So really, um, you know, we have videos on these on these subjects, but really getting patients to, to properly care for for the wounds after surgery is important and movement is, is one of the big things now beyond movement so, so no um, no funny movies you know they, they shouldn't go to you know see comedies or you know but it's like a, no they should you know have avoid uh, avoid any kind of uh, and nothing uh, too sad yeah nothing too sad yeah, right yeah. because on the other hand you're right you because then the lips no turn crying. down yeah exactly okay <laughs> exactly. So, so no no really grimacing like, no you know no. yeah no 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 none of that uh, so, so yeah, exactly. So that for t- for the first two weeks, I find that to be critical. Uh, and then there's how they like cover, like what are they what are they doing to the suture line, right, or to the incision? And for the first, usually about seven days, while they have the surface sutures in place, they're using antibiotic ointment and really a liberal amount, two to three times a day, reapplying antibiotic ointment that helps reduce infection, that helps just keep it covered. The key is not to let the wound get too dry and crusty because they just won't heal as well and the final scar will be worse. So that's like the first week. And then usually between around day seven to say day 12, there's a transition period where they don't really need the antibiotic ointment and that ointment can even give like a a bit of an irritation to the skin over time. So we switch them over to something like Aquaphor or some very, um, you know, gentle uh, type of uh, ointment. You can use Vaseline, but I, Aquaphor is more uh, like water-based. It's a little bit better. So so usually they're using something like an Aquaphor, which most people have seen, you know, over the counter that comes in either a tube or a jar. Uh, so you use that for around five days or so, around day 12, what you do is you take a hydrogen peroxide and you test the wound. And this can work on the face and it can work on other parts of the body. You, you test it with a little hydrogen peroxide. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be using hydrogen peroxide like throughout recovery in the first two weeks because it can irritate the, the mm-hmm. tissue and, and actually harm healthy uh, skin in the area too. So you have to be careful there. But to just use it as, on a Q-tip to test the area, that you can do. And then if you still have bubble formation, like yep. that kind of that white it's an fizz, open wound, yeah. Exactly. You still have these little micro openings. And so you want to continue using the aquaphor. And then there's going to come a point where you're not going to have any fizzing. And, you know, you're still going to have some redness to the wound. But again, you're trying to reduce like the appearance of that scar. You don't want the scar to look uh, unsightly. So then you start with a scar gel. And so the concept of a scar gel is is not new. I didn't come up with that. Uh, But we've designed our own scar gel and I can kind of get into some of the properties that make it a little bit different from everything else that's on the market. But scar gel in general, uh, the, the concept is this, and, and it's the same with, with using ointment. Basically, when you keep a covering, when you have a, a wound, whether it's a super fresh wound or one um, that's still healing after, say, months of surgery, uh, it's, 
it, there's some permeability to water, right? It's not quite like your healthy skin, right? That, that it's, it's a lot less permeable to water. Mm-hmm. And that permeability uh, signals to some of the, some of the cells in our skin, specifically to the, the keratinocytes will let the fibroblasts know that, hey, you should release more uh, uh, keratinocytes or more cells or more collagen, really, to improve the strength of this area. Mm-hmm. So, so, so in other it's, words, it's, it's like uh, mending a raincoat. You know, if there's a tear in the raincoat, it's it's like uh, if it were a living tissue, uh, it would uh, perpetuate something that would uh, waterproof it, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's trying to heal itself and sending these signals, and these signals are essentially leading to more and more scar. So if you can uh, occlude the, the wound and, and cover it up with something, and for long-term use, the scar gel makes sense, um, you're reducing that, uh, that signal. And, and so then you're uh, forming less scar tissue. Um, so that, that's really what we think, at least in the literature, of how it works. And scar because you're not going to keep putting aquaphor on for forever because it's like kind of wet and 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 gives you that kind of shiny appearance especially in a critical area like on the face so scar gel um, is what people use and you can use it twice a day a thin coat uh, and up to maybe a year some people use it even longer but a wound maturation takes up to maybe 16 months, sometimes yeah. a little bit longer. I've, I've noticed that, that in, in scars that I've had, you know, it's, I've said, oh my goodness, you know, it's six months and, you know, I still have a big Frankenstein scar. And sure yep. enough, you know, a, a year after, you know, 18 months, even two years after, the scar has, yep. has faded. Uh, so, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So you can, you can have that process of, um, you know, moving towards a faded scar or just a, a better scar overall happen even faster with the use of, of scar gel. And, you know, they've been around for probably at least a, a decade or two. I mean, it's it's um, something that's been around. But since I work mostly on the face, uh, it's different. You know, if you pick up just any old scar gel uh, from over the counter and you just start applying it, what you'll find is most of them have like a glossier finish. Mm-hmm. So it looks a little wet, you know, and that isn't great in the center of the face. So ours is designed to be um, like a matte type of finish. And we find that that a lot of love uh, specifically on the face. So that's that's one of one of the factors. And you don't want it to, you know, take forever to dry because, again, it's just going to be difficult to apply. because You can apply makeup over the scar gel. So if scar oh. gel is going to be your first protective coat on the scar and then you can cover it up with concealer uh, or 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 um, uh, SPF to protect from the sun I mean those are all good things but that goes on top of the scar gel so that so fast drying matte finish of course you want one that's been um, tested to not have uh, not lead to hypersensitivities and there's one I'm not going to you know name names but there's one scar gel that's very popular that is available at any drugstore that has some onion extracts in it. That, that's and not, that's, I, can, I can name names. I, I was going to ask you about Mederma. It's it's a very popular yes, uh, cream. That's the one. And that and right. it's 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 based on the principle that there's something in onion that has a, a mm-hmm. healing effect. And so you're saying that that may not be ideal because of the potential for hypersensitization. Exactly right. Right. So people basically get irritated skin quite often from that 
particular scar gel. So even though it's put in there for hopefully helping with some wound healing, it, it's actually causing in, in many patients more harm than good. So you have to be careful, you know, which scar gel you choose. And so that was one of the factors Like when we were designing the scar gel, our scar gel from scratch, we're like, you know, we don't want, we don't want too many ingredients and we don't want ingredients that have been shown in the literature to cause hypersensitivity. So mm -hmm. th that was a, a, a big factor. Um, and then matte finish, fast drying, we wanted it to, to look good and feel good on the skin, but then also have some added benefits, just like, you know, Moderma people were trying to do it with onion extract. Um, we decided to you know, search the, the literature and see like which types of oils, because it's, um, it's not, not water-based, the scar gels in general, you know, so you, you can't really put any water type of um, uh, components into it. So it has to be more like oils. Um, and you need some sort of oil to work with the silicones that are in there. You need, you know, you need, you need it to, to swim around in something. So, so we needed an oil anyway. So based on, you know, my review of the literature, what we ended up finding, there are certain oils that have been implicated in improving uh, wound healing. And the ones that we selected for our scar gel are jojoba oil, sunflower seed oil, and calendula. And, uh, and calendula all has a reputation as being very healing. So, yeah, you might yeah. really be on target with that in and of itself, you know, uh, the, the, using the even the, the, yeah. the tea or the root extract, uh, which has kind of a mucilaginous mm -hmm. feel to it. So that uh, yeah. makes a lot of sense. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we put all of that with a few different molecular weights of silicone, all ones that led to that kind of quicker dry time and matte finish. And that was very important to us into a, a formula and uh, you know now it's been uh, out in my practice for about almost six months and out online available online for almost uh, going on three months now so it's probably it's gotten into the hands of uh, 600 plus people and overall i mean people are very very happy with it and you know it's including my surgical patients you know um and uh, we're very happy with it. So it's uh, our brand is so, feel confident. So, it's so how, how just, can people uh, access that? Uh, is it's that just available if you your go, website at City Facial Plastics? Website. No, no. We have a separate brand that uh, we created. It's called Feel Confident. Just those two words together, feelconfident.com. So uh, this was actually our first. We have a skin care line and a hair care line on the skin side. This was our first available product. We have more coming, uh, but for scar gel, this will be the one. So it's feelconfident.com. You go to skin and you'll see the scar gel available right there. But there's a time and a place for this. And I, I think it's important to emphasize that this is not something you want to slather on, you know, like af right after you've, uh, you know, had an injury or after you've had cosmetic surgery. You have to wait for uh, a partial resolution. And I, the right. hydrogen peroxide test is kind of intriguing because it actually uh, gives you an idea that there's still uh, an open wound because the fizzing right. uh, is the right. reaction of the tissue when there's an open wound when it hasn't really closed. And then right. once that tests negative, you know, then that's the time to apply the the uh, the topical. So that it so it's it's called once again uh, the name of the product is. Feel Confident Scar Gel, and it's just available at feelconfident.com. And actually, on the page where you can see the product, 
towards the bottom, there's a video that we uh, put out on YouTube and we link to it at the bottom of that page. It's called My Evidence-Based Scar Treatment. And it goes through like how wound healing, um, you know, occurs and, and, you know, what are all the stages of wound healing. Um, and then just kind of gives everyone the basically what we're talking about, but it just, it distills it down into a nice, uh, easy to understand video. And it goes through all the different parameters and characteristics of the scar gel as well. Okay. So if you, if you be so generous, uh, stay with us because our listeners know we divide our podcast into two parts. In part two, I want to talk a little bit about hair. I want to talk a little bit about plastic surgery in general. Uh, our guest is Dr. Gary Linkoff, uh, one of my good colleagues, uh, who uh, has an excellent background. Uh, he's uh, done fellowships in head and neck surgery, uh, as well as in uh, facial plastic and reconstructive surgery. And uh, also, he's got an artistic background, which is, I think, great preparation for the kind of work that he does. Uh, just give us a heads up to your uh, practice. It's called City Facial Plastics, located in Manhattan. Yes. And okay, so just find it at, uh, and an, I actually have a number on your bio. It's 212 439 5177, if I'm correct. Yes. You may be too modest to, you know, <laughs> state the number, but I'll do it for you. Because. Uh, you do amazing work. These days, thank you so much, Dr. Hoffman. Yeah, these days, if people just put my name into Google, uh, they'll just uh, everything gets interconnected because we have a big YouTube channel and everything is is um, is connected through. So, um, yeah, they just put my name in Google, they'll they'll find it. Good stuff. All right, we'll pause yeah. when we return. More on the subject of uh, facial and plastic surgery uh, and hair reconstruction. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 